Live from Gross Point, Michigan, it's time for the number one radio show in the private service industry, where private service professionals can discuss topics that pertain to their industry. And now, here is your host, Dima National President, Matthew Hack. Hello and welcome back to another edition of DEMA Live, a radio call-in show for the private service industry. I'm your host, Matthew Hack, and today I'm joined by our co-host, private service professional, DJ Haverkamp. This week's guest will be Scott Fawcett of Hoffman Landscapes. And today we're going to be discussing some of the tips that you can implement as you prepare for spring. So, DJ, you're becoming quite the regular here on DEMA Live and uh, uh, definitely have been a very uh, positive uh, addition to the show, for sure. Uh, the perspectives that you bring along with you uh, from your time working as a private service professional definitely make a difference and allows, uh, allows us to definitely get down to the, the bottom line when it comes to how all of these different uh, educational topics apply to the private service professional. So with that bearing being bearing in mind, um, hope you had a great weekend. And uh, what do you have to share for us uh, about the private service industry this week? Well, thank you for that nice introduction, Matt. It's a pleasure to be back with you again today. I, uh, I guess the, the thing I was thinking about this week is uh, the the final episodes of Downton Abbey. I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of folks who work in private service are fans of the Downton Abbey show, and it's uh, it's kind of sad to see that series come to an end. But it was kind of interesting as I was reflecting back on the series and, and the whole several years of that show, I think one of the big themes that I take away from it is just how things change over time and how we have to be adaptable. And it's quite interesting as you look at the arc of that series, how the culture changed and everyone had to be adapting as they went along. And I think that that sort of continues in our world today and possibly even in a faster pace than it did at the turn of the century in the early 1900s. So those are my thoughts on kind of what's been happening in the private service world. But I know we're not here to talk about that. It's a beautiful day here in New York. It's 70 plus degrees. And spring is definitely in the air. So let's uh, turn to our guest, Scott, and talk a little bit about getting ready for the spring and some of the things that go into our responsibilities from a private service perspective and caring for fine homes and fine landscapes. So, Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you, DJ. I, I thought we could start out just by talking a, a little bit about some of the things that go into a fine landscape. Uh, and, and some of the kind of things I know your company is involved with dealing with a lot of high-end properties. And so maybe you could just help our guests that maybe aren't that familiar with the kinds of things that go into a very fine landscape and maybe just give us some of the things that really make up a really good high-quality landscape for a home. Well, typically speaking, most people always think of, uh, you know, cutting the grass and, and pruning of the shrubs, but there's just so much uh, more to it from um, – proper night lighting, um, care for the trees and the shrubs, uh, annual seasonal color and containers and plantings, um, you know, the, the recreational areas that are, are more and more becoming part of our homes uh, as we staycation and don't go out. Um, and so the outdoor kitchens and swimming pools um, and uh, also more, more vegetable gardens. Um, people are really looking to 
try and, and get more out of their homes and more out of their properties. Uh, hardscapes, um, it, it's really a lot more encompassing than it used to be a, a number of years ago. Uh, it used to be that the landscapes uh, at a high-end level were, were not necessarily unattainable for some, but uh, limited to a few that saw the value there. And much, much more, many, many more people are seeing that value and, and trying to do more with their properties. Mm-hmm. That's great. Okay, well, basically, with, with that being with, with with us going off of that premise, Scott, um, let's talk about some of the the subject matter at hand. And obviously, with the day being so nice there in New York, it's a beautiful day here in Detroit as well. Um, and we all start thinking about. Uh, springtime, and we 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 start thinking about all the things that we have to do in order to to maintain um, the 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 outdoor presence uh, of a lot of these high end estates that the private service professionals are um, are trying to to maintain. So obviously that can be a daunting task for a lot of PSPs. What is the number one thing in your uh, or or what is your biggest hurdle as a landscape company when it comes to springtime? Um, believe it or not, it's the springtime rush. We've been talking with people all winter long um, about getting their contracts in and let's get the plan in place. And people don't really think until that first 70 degree today, uh, like today, uh, our phones will be ringing off the hooks and all of a sudden everybody wants to um, be first in line. And they always want uh, the instant gratification. They want to have the spring clean up, the edging, the mulching. They want everything uh, immediately, and it's not always the the best course of action for a property uh, to have the immediate edging and mulching when it's only mid-March. That is very property-specific. If there's a very comprehensive program uh, in place that we can go back and re-edge properties or re-edge mulch um, or re-mulch properties throughout the season, as need be, um, then it's okay. But a lot of people just want to have that, that instant effect right now and come July, August, when they're going to about to be out there even more than, than they are now, those edges tend to fade and the mulch tends to fade. So uh, being being first and, and completely done right off the bat isn't always the, the best. So educating the client um, and meeting that demand of, of getting everybody in a good spot so quickly is is our toughest challenge. Okay. So is that um is that prob- I'm I mean, I'm assuming that's one of the key elements that went in for 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 to maintain to starting uh uh the, the Hoffman Landscape Company is that uh is that part of the uh the philosophy for you guys as far as a a landscape company how did you guys get started with 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 doing this whole thing? Um we actually uh Mike Hoffman, the owner of the company, started off in tree work and moved his way into some design and installation and eventually found his way into maintenance. It's really a holistic aspect that we feel is um, necessary to fully develop a property, to be able to uh, listen to a client, uh, meet their expectations, but also educate the client. A uh, client may want something very badly, and there are a lot of people out there that will say fine and, and provide it to them, but don't fully make them aware of the ramifications down the line, that that might not be the right plant or that might be too many plants for that location. 
And so we really believe in, in the holistic aspect of uh, we've got to look at the trees, we need to look at the lawn, the shrub, the site location. Uh, are we down by the, the water and the sound? Are we in the hills of Ridgefield? Uh, there's so much that goes into creating a proper plan, uh, starting with the client, listening to the client's needs, but not being afraid to um, question that client or redirect that client if the property doesn't suit their desires. Yeah. Scott, I, I, that that's a really interesting thing as far as the design aspect that you're bringing up, because I know that a lot of the folks who work in private service are charged with overseeing properties that they don't have the expertise to really know all of the fine details and the the things that go into creating these landscapes. There's a lot of biology. There's a lot of chemistry even that goes into some of the things of keeping all these plants and plantings really looking good. As as you go through the design process, and if I'm working as an estate manager, working with my principal, and he charges me with the responsibility for helping to come up with a landscape design plan and a landscape maintenance plan, what would be the kind of things that you would suggest I'd be thinking about or be aware of as I approach a company like yours? Um, the first and foremost, when you're working with any company, you, you have to be comfortable with the, with the relationship that you have. Um, I'll have that comment with clients all the time that you you need to be comfortable that you um, have the faith in the company that working with. Uh, do they have the resources? Do they have the education? Um, if you if you're comfortable with that person that you're meeting with, the the rest can come fairly easily. Uh, a qualified individual is going to be able to um, talk with you. Um, talk with the client or with the, the PSP, um, pull information out from them. Not everybody necessarily knows what they want. They think they might, uh, and it, it's actually a very um, lengthy process, which we tend to go through with our clients uh, to draw out that information um, with very pointed questions. Um, and it's, it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. A lot of companies out there from a maintenance standpoint, for example, are they're going to go out and they'll measure the lawn and they'll measure the square footage of the beds and they'll give a number, but they're not taking into account what the client's um, objectives are. Where do they want to be three years from here now, five years from now? Are they what we call lawn nuts and their main priority is just that the lawn is green? Or are they into formal pruning or textured pruning? There's a, a wealth of information that PSPs can offer for their clients, and it's really the, the job of the person uh, interviewing them or being interviewed to, to find out that information, glean that information uh, to, to best serve them. Okay, well, that's, that's um, quite interesting. I know... Uh, in some ways, that really applies to not only the landscape, but for folks in private service, just the whole uh, way that we approach the relationship with our principals, because getting to know their objectives has a great deal to do with uh, lots of the different ways that we help them manage or run their households. And If they're more interested in a private life and a very quiet, subtle life, or if they're more interested in a life where they're doing a lot of entertaining or traveling, 
we as a private service individuals can really have a big influence in helping them to create those kinds of environments. And I couldn't agree with you more in that design process of really evaluating their objectives and, and considering that as you create a landscape. I know yeah, I think, uh, one of the things that I've found working with individuals is that a lot of times uh, folks of a high net worth character will want these instant landscapes where they bring in trees that maybe are 25 or 30 years old and, you know, huge trees can be moved into the landscape. Does your company get involved with any of that kind of stuff? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, we, we handle all aspects of design and installation. Um, it's 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 often a, a cost situation where people want that instant gratification and that instant look, but it's a matter of um, again educating them that over planting to give the instant screening is not the proper way to go about it, but to spend the money on the larger specimens, put the right sized plant or, or tree in place to give you that instant effect. Um, not just plant, uh, you know, five times too many smaller ones. And uh, it's it's a lot easier to work with some of the larger estates that, that get that um, versus some of these smaller houses that we deal with where to them instant gratification is just plant a lot more, you know, cheaper trees. And they just don't understand the long-term ramifications of that. Well, I think that that's interesting. You know, the last couple of questions you mentioned that there's a lot of different things that go into to, to managing a landscape and that you can't just have a company that comes out and does um, whatever the client feels because the client need, also needs to be educated as well. Um, and that's tough, right, when you're dealing with a principal uh, who has a, a high net worth. Um, you know, you want to make that client happy. Uh, but you guys also have... Uh, a responsibility to the client to make sure you're doing everything you can to make sure the job goes uh, the right way. So what are some of the mistakes that, that you guys have seen in the past um, made by other companies that, you know, I'm assuming someone like Hoffman is usually called in to, to fix problems. Um, I'm sure you guys have never had to deal with that before, correct? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> multiple, so, multiple so, times. <laughs> all right. So, so I, that can be really frustrating for a company, right? Because there's always price shopping that goes on out there. People are comparing one company to another. One company says, well, I can do it for this price. And, you know, and, and that's, always, that's not necessarily always the best thing to do. Um, so what are some of the things that you see in your industry um, that are done on these properties that drive you absolutely crazy because this is your chance as as a landscape company to really be able to, to lay some of those ideas and thoughts out there that you would like some of the private service professionals to think about um, before they do something crazy on their property. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, I'd like to say uh, some people say um, that we're more money for a certain contract, but what we try to be is comprehensive. And you can go out there and you can find what you think is the same job for less money, but they're really not taking into account um, uh, all aspects of it, meaning the stone wall is going to be less expensive, but are they going to leave it the exact same way the property that is when they leave? Is it exactly how it was when they got there? Has the lawn been restored? Is the irrigation put back together? Uh, things like that. And, and to answer more specifically uh, the issues question, it all revolves around actually too much. Um, 
too much mulch, too much water, too much fertilizer, too many plants, um, cutting it too short uh, or planting it too deep. And it's, it's really funny because uh, it, it actually costs more money. When you put down too much mulch, you're putting down three inches instead of one inch. They're spending three times as much money on the mulch that they, than they need to, and they're actually going to suffer um, for it in the long run. If they over-irrigate right. a property, they're, they're installing more drip irrigation than you need, when a lot of these things only need water for establishment. Um, if you're putting in more fertilizer or high nitrogen fertilizers on lawns, you can often be um, having to cut more, which is more expensive, or sparking turf disease, which takes fungicides. Uh, when you're planting too many plants, it's costing you more in the long run um, because you're actually planting more physical specimens, and it'll end up having to spend more money maintaining those because they're going to be more susceptible to uh, disease issues, insect issues, and need more pruning to keep in place. Uh, you really need to work with somebody that's going to put the you know the right plant in the right place. Um, mowing height. Uh, everybody wants their lawn at two and a half inches, and that's one of our biggest issues with clients who want that short lawn on the weekend, but they don't understand that root growth is directly proportionate to top growth. The taller the lawn. The deeper the roots, the healthier the roots, the healthier the plant, and again, less need for other inputs. Um, so almost everything uh, I, I talk about is is a too much issue. Uh, even the planting of the trees too deep and planting of shrubs too deep. The person has to dig a larger hole to plant the tree too deep, uh, but down the line, they, they, they don't care. Um, architects tend to want to plant a lot of plants because they're making a percentage of it and then they're off, they're not there. Uh, something that Hoffman does a little bit differently is if we install a plant and do the landscape, if we're in charge of the maintenance on a full-time basis, we actually have a lifetime warranty. We are motivated not to overplant. We are motivated to put the right plant in the right place. Uh, our goal is uh, long-term relationships. And going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier with being um, a little nervous to not give the client what they want. Uh, our, our goal is to give the client what they want, uh, but, but over a, a longer period of time that, hey, you, you might want this instant gratification, um, but in three years we want you happy with the landscape. And if we're coming back to the client saying, we need to do this, we need to do that, they won't remember the instant gratification comment. They'll remember that they hired you to take care of this in the first place. And so we're very long-term minded. Yeah. So, sorry. Can I ask a question then related to that? And you mentioned yep. that you're doing a comprehensive type approach towards this service. Can I ask? Do you guys do uh, like uh, setting up container plantings? And do, would you install a vegetable garden for my principal? Is that something they wanted, or if they wanted a croquet court, would you? Would you have the capacity to maintain a croquet court, or do you do like swimming pool maintenance and irrigation system maintenance, and like uh, outdoor fountains and koi ponds and some of these things that that would be included in a landscape of this nature? Do you cover all of those different kinds of components? Ninety uh, percent to ninety-five percent of everything that you just said, yes. 
Um, if we can't actually do it in-house, uh, we have preferred providers that we work very closely with um, that are relationships that we've developed over a, a number of years. Um, uh, say about 10 years ago, we decided to get into irrigation because it's such an integral part of what we do. We didn't have uh, enough maintenance accounts to support a full-time irrigation person, so we talked to one of our preferred providers. We subcontracted them for two years. We built up our basis, and now we actually handle all irrigation 100% in-house. Um, we are fully licensed to design and install pools and actually just got our maintenance license. So we've been designing and in installing them, but we've been subcontracting somebody else out to do the maintenance. But within a number of years, when we've built that client basis up enough uh, to pull that in-house, we will pull that in-house. We, we really mm -hmm. try to, from a maintenance standpoint, offer you one point of contact. Every, every town uh, you know, roughly has what we call a property manager. And their sole purpose is to get to know everything that they can about the property, um, the PSP, uh, the, the principal themselves, um, anything that we can do to make either the client or the PSP's uh, job easier, uh, we're, we're there to do. We're the first people to step back and say, um, hey, you know what, uh, we don't do that, um, but here's somebody we highly recommend and work closely with. But we, we really try to cover all bases. That's that's excellent. And I think it's good to hear that as you build that uh that client base that you'll be moving and taking that in house because I think it's important to, to have as much control over people that you are uh sending into a home as you possibly can and, and really the only way to do that is to have uh those different divisions working from, from in house. So that's uh that's great to hear. Um, obviously, you talked a little bit about irrigation, and, and moving into the spring, uh, we're going to start probably seeing uh, irrigation systems turn back on. Correct? Yes. Okay. Um, when when we, do you guys when when do you guys usually see those irrigation systems start going back on? Well, what we do is we actually run around and we turn all of our systems on, and we give them a thorough check, and we leave them okay. in the off position. We we that way as soon as we need it, we're we're ready and and able to just go and turn them on. Uh, okay. What we do a little bit differently than um, a lot of the larger outfits out there, uh, they'll, they'll turn it on, they'll put it in run mode, regardless if it's springtime, uh, regardless if there's a rain sensor, and it's just going to go and go and go, and they're done until they schedule the shutdown. What we do right. is we actually manage the system. We'll turn it okay. on, we'll have it ready. Uh, when we see that it's time to actually be on-on, uh, we'll we'll stop by, we'll turn it on, and then we do um, what we call system checks every June, July, August when it's most important. Uh, we'll go out, actually power up the system, check for coverage, uh, depending on the season, do a percentage adjustment of coverage, and are, are truly managing the system um, to the best of our ability, not being on site um, every you know seven days a week. Uh, as far as we're concerned, the best way to manage an irrigation system is to run out, go out there, and mimic a rainstorm. Turn it on, let it run for a number of hours, um, and and then turn it off. Uh, but nobody realistically has the time or energy to to do that. And so we we managed it the best that we can. 
but <laughs> but Mother Nature knows best. Long, yeah. deep, and frequent waterings and irrigation <laughs> systems just aren't designed to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, let, real quickly, I I, I want to get um, obviously being in the military, I love acronyms. Um, so uh, so I want to I want to get to this other question that I have, but you you just uh, brought up a really good point that I think is really imperative, especially since we're doing the radio show for the private service professionals, and that's how. How often, when, when you're checking, like like a water bill, for example, if you have a broke line, um, you might not necessarily see that uh, uh, water come to the surface. Um, but how often do you recommend that, that water bills be checked when we're talking about irrigation systems, so that you don't you can see if you have a broke line, and and, and is that pretty easy to see when you do have those situations occur? Um, I've I've never heard of uh, the water bill bringing it to the attention. Um, I have always heard of it coming uh, from visual site inspections. From visual site, uh, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I've never seen a broken line um, not uh, making itself um, extremely evident to somebody that's on site on a okay. on a regular right, basis. So. They're they're gonna they're gonna see the they're, they're gonna see the result of that broken line. Okay. All right. And then, um, you know, going back into to 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 that uh, to, to to the fertilization. Um, obviously, we're getting ready to start into the fertilization season, and we've always gone uh, by an acronym of of, of Emerald, uh which is uh, Easter, Memorial Day, Independence Day, and Labor Day. Um, I know that uh, we always use these in the business uh, to to utilize those as as kind of key dates to remember when to lay down fertilizers. Um, are are, are those the correct fertilizing cycles that you guys use as well, or do you guys have a little bit different uh, version that you use? Um, from, for, for, uh, those dates mean a lot to us, but not from anything to do with fertilizing. Uh, those are okay. the key dates for us from when we need to have the properties looking as, as great as possible because that's when our clients are entertaining or when um, – uh, the breadwinner might be home for the first time and enjoying the weekend out and walking around the property for the first time. Uh, we we run our program. Um, uh, it's it's and I don't want to say constantly changing, but it's um, adaptable in terms of uh, we'll do a spring cleanup and we'll drop a. Um, a, a fertilizer, a quick-release fertilizer to try and green the lawns up right away in the springtime. But we don't drop our second product actually down until the forsythia is starting to wane in the bloom time. Because we're um, we're a large company, uh, relatively speaking, um, but we're still a boutique outfit in how we're managed. And so we can get all of our fertilizers down in a week to two-week period. And the ideal time to drop that next fertilizer is on the the waning of the forsythia bloom because Mother Nature is telling us the proper growing degree days, and Mother Nature is telling us when to do it, not not a calendar um, and a holiday. And the reason we do that is mm-hmm. that's the optimum time to put down the pre-emergent crabgrass control, which 99% of landscapers have as part of that that second fertilizer. Uh, for a lot of companies, actually, it's their first fertilizer. Um, and then we're going based upon weather conditions 
and the products that we're that we're using. If we've got, um, you know, typically speaking, you're shooting for a six-week window for synthetic fertilizer to go down after that that first fertilizer or second fertilizer, and looking for six-week windows in between. Uh, if you've got extremely wet four weeks though, and you're using a synthetic fertilizer, then that highly soluble nitrogen has washed away, and you're going to have to up your schedule a little bit. And so that's a very abbreviated version of it, but it, we really don't go by the calendar dates at all. We go by weather conditions um, and, and Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah, that's great, Scott. One of the things that I've been taught from our landscape company is the importance of soil and building up the quality of the soil that the plants are growing in. And so I was just curious to know if you guys do anything in particular to build soil structure or improve the quality of the soil that um, the landscapes are growing in. Yeah, the first thing we do on any new property um, is actually pull a soil report. It doesn't have to be a real fancy $300 one, but it'll at least tell us the pH of it. Um, What people don't understand is the importance of pH. And Mm -hmm. we can fertilize all day long, but if it's not the correct pH, the plant can't actually assimilate the nutrients. And so the first thing that we want to do is is get the soil pH correct. And if I'm liming today, it won't even actually have an effect for a couple months. So it's it's imperative that that is the the first step in it, uh, and then regular aeration um, to avoid compaction, dethatching to to avoid a, avoid a thatch layer. Um, has the property been prone to a lot of turf diseases and had a lot of fungicides applied to it? Uh, if that's the case, we do want to. Uh, work on the biology of the soil, introduce some compost as food, um, and then a compost tea uh, to reintroduce uh, some of the biological activity back into the soil. Is it a brand new construction site where the soil has been laid bare to the elements for the last nine months and there's no biology Mm -hmm. left whatsoever? Um, again, there's many different facets uh, facets to it, uh, and I could go on ad nauseum about that, but uh, yes, we do. Um, soil is alive, and the most important thing that you can do uh, for any lawn or any shrub or tree is make sure that that soil is doing what it needs to do. If you look at a natural environment um, in the woods, nobody's out there fertilizing. If you're looking at natural, you know, meadowland, nobody's out there fertilizing. Those plants are doing just wonderfully. It's really man's input and changing of the environment that hurts the soil structure. And as stewards, it's it's up to us to to bring it back. Yeah, yeah. Earlier in the show, we we talked about one of the things that that you do is work towards educating our principals and educating the, the folks who are involved with this. And I think if I were to offer a little piece of advice to the folks who work in private service, it would be to get knowledgeable on some of these topics and on some of the things related to how plantings and plants grow so that we can explain to our principals what's really happening in the landscape. And really, when you're working with a company like Scott's, to have um, have someone that you can really uh, get information from that you can pass on to your principal. because. If something's happening, if there's an issue in the landscape, 
being able to explain it to your principal goes a long way in really helping them to be satisfied with whatever it is that's going on because the landscape is probably one of the most dynamic aspects of, of what we have to deal with because it's always changing. There's always weather components and all of that. So if you can work with someone that's very knowledgeable and it sounds like, Scott, your guys are really good at sharing information, that that would be a really uh, important part of working with a good landscape company. So. We, we like curious, to say you know, we're, 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 we're educators and communicators first and landscapers mm-hmm. second. Uh, yeah, that's it, a great it, philosophy. It, yeah. But I did want to ask, one of the things that I get a lot of questions about from our principals are, what about pesticides? And they're very anxious and seem to be nervous about using pesticides on their properties. And I think there's a growing trend towards a sensitivity towards the use of pesticides. Could you share any thoughts that you would have on that with our listeners? Yeah, it, the, the real key to pesticide use is, is really the the IPM program, the Integrated Pest Management. Um, back in the day, everybody just did blanket sprays, and they went out and they sprayed everything, um, and just if it was an insect, they killed it. And it's really important to realize that um, there's a biology out there that in order to have beneficial insects, um, you're, you're going to have some non-beneficial beneficial insects. And really, it's all about thresholds and client expectation and understanding. Um, what What is an acceptable number of weeds in a lawn? Um, what is the acceptable um, you know, threshold of damage to a shrub um, be before you, you need to come in and treat it? Uh, we like to say everything that we do... Um, from a pesticide basis is um, done organically minded, meaning the right amount of the right material applied um, at the right time in the right way. And it again goes back to uh, understanding why the plant is getting stressed out in the first place. A lot of people out there will go and put a fungicide down on the lawn um, because there's a turf disease there, but why? Why is that turf disease there? Is there ledge underneath it? Mm-hmm. Um, is it drying out? Um, is, it, is the soil compacted? Uh, healthy, happy environments are naturally pest-free, whether it's a fungus or a you know, disease um, or, or an insect or a weed. So your, your natural, happy environment doesn't need a whole lot of inputs. And we... Uh, uh, kind of like Eastern medicine versus Western medicine. <laughs> We're always, you know... We're always trying to band-aid it. We're always the quick, you know, fix the fix the uh, you know obvious issue, not the underlying issue. And so, pesticides themselves um, aren't inherently scary. Uh, they they have a purpose. Uh, somebody who's educated in what they're doing with them can use them very very safely. Um, what actually scares me more in this day and age is the labeling of stuff as organic. Because just because something is organic doesn't mean it can't be more toxic than something that's labeled inorganic. And mm-hmm. it really comes back to being educated and uh, knowing what's what's happening and being able to resolve it and saying, hey, you know what? Um, you know, I got a little, little bit of broadleaf weed in the lawn. Um, or I had a little turf disease run through the lawn, but it's, you know what, it's mid-August. Why am I going to go out and kill that 
um, because that's going to kill all my good biology in the soil. Let's just live with it for two or three weeks, aerate and overseed it September 1st, and, and we're, we're good to go. And let's, well, in the meantime, try and figure out why the turf disease popped in the first place. So, uh, it's, again, I'm a little roundabout, but there is really such a holistic aspect to this that to talk about any one item without talking about the whole just doesn't make sense. Right. Well, I think that this is this is such a good topic. I mean, I I'm I'm looking right now at our our time, and we're we're already uh, we're we're under ten minutes left with the show. So obviously, Scott, this is uh, this is a very uh, important topic, and you know we're bouncing all over the place. So I hope our listeners are able to uh, to to stay with us. But um, this has been an awesome uh, opportunity for. For DJ and myself to be able to have you guys and a company like uh, like Hoffman Landscape on the show uh, with all your guys' years of experience and, and, and working on uh, fine home estates uh, there in your in your area, I think that that's uh, um, a huge benefit for us as a as show host. So um, I'd like to, to give you guys an opportunity to kind of uh, pitch yourself. So if someone has any uh, questions and they'd like to follow up with you regarding uh, anything regarding their landscape needs. Um, how would someone go about doing that? Uh, the best way to get in touch with me is actually my cell phone, uh, 203-943-9491. You can also check us out, uh, Hoffman Landscapes, uh, at hoffmanlandscapes.com, um, landscapes being plural. And uh, direct email to me always works, scott at hoffmanlandscapes.com. Uh, uh, okay. we're, we're, we're easy to find. Um, we love to educate. Um, I'm happy to talk with anybody about landscaping at any point in time. Uh, and I, I do, uh, I do do sales. Um, but to me, it's honestly, um, about, uh, you know, improving the environment. We're lucky to live in a very beautiful part of the world right here and uh, have clients that are willing to spend money um, enhancing it. And uh, there, there's no greater pleasure than uh, to be able to work with somebody um, and, and see the, the smile on their face when they see the results of what we do. And where are you guys based out of? you want to let everybody know? Uh, we're based out of Wilton, Connecticut. I actually manage the uh, Stanford office down in Stanford. Uh, my territory is southern New, uh, southern Fairfield County and Westchester, um, but our Wilton office goes up into Litchfield County um, and up towards Bridgeport. So okay. we're we're all of southeastern Connecticut and Westchester. Beautiful part of the South, country, sorry, that's South, for sorry. sure. South, southwestern Connecticut and Westchester. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, that's definitely a beautiful part of the country for sure. And uh, obviously, in in, in uh, speaking about your website a little bit, um, you know, visiting the website, I noticed that uh, your company has uh, won several different awards. Um, can you speak briefly about some of those? And and how do you how does a company like yours go about winning an award like that? Um, we've actually been members of, of Planet, which has changed its names a few times, and I can't even tell you if it's still Planet, but it's it's the nation's uh, largest industry-oriented um, association, and um, they they have numerous different things that uh, you can you, you can apply for. Um, I'm actually not part of that process, so I can't speak directly to it. Um, we have a we have um, somebody that handles that all for us 
but it's it's basically lots of before and after photos um, documenting the process of what you're doing and how you're doing it and um, providing a quality product. Uh, the, the proof is in the pictures. Um, and then being able to speak to how you got that there. And, uh, again, I can't speak to the specifics of um, the the award process, uh, but uh, lots of documenting and, and and being able to show how you got from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. That's great. Scott, I have a quick question. I know we're getting uh, low on time, but I was just curious if you could maybe share with our listeners uh, some of the trends that you see happening in the landscape industry and in the landscape world. I know a lot of our principals like to be on the cutting edge of things, and I would just be curious to know what you're seeing out there in the industry as far as the things that people are interested in, the things that are coming down the pipe. I know Matt and I have done some shows on automation and computer controls and different things. So I would just be curious to know what you see uh, coming down the line in, in the world of, of landscape. Um, out, outdoor kitchens and outdoor recreational areas. Um, g- gazebos with, with built-in TVs, uh, the outdoor kitchen, uh, the, the automated music, uh, the, the, the lighting, um, being able to say, hey, you know what, I'm home. I, I want this to be uh, an absolute joy for me 24-7. Um, and I want to be able to do it easily. Uh, and also a, a move from more of the traditional landscaping um, to things that are more uh, more vegetable gardens, uh, more things that you can eat, less uh, high intensive maintenance of the sheared boxwood hedges and more things that will grow on their own and, and lead, lead, uh, need a lot less maintenance. And so it's mm-hmm. it's the, the landscape and the greenscape itself is going a lot um, more easier and a lot more natural, um, but the hardscapes and the lighting and the technology uh, getting built into it is, is getting you know uh, a lot a lot all, all the maintenance is now going into that stuff and not the plants. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Scott, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you your chance. This is this is your your chance to hit your last home run. Uh, we got about three minutes left with the show. Uh, real briefly, if there was one major thing that you want to get across about landscape uh, design or just maintenance of landscape, what would it be for our uh, private service professional listeners? Um, you need to decide how you want to go about what you do. Do you want to uh, be the captain um, managing many different players on your property? Or do you want to be the general manager who's dealing with a captain, and that captain in turn uh, is handling everything else for you? Um, and in our opinion, it's it's much easier to deal with one person that then turns around and handles everything else for you, and that in turn allows you to uh, concentrate your efforts on what you need to do. Uh, the holistic aspect of what we bring to the table um, is is huge. If you have a lawn guy that's cutting your lawn, the timing of the lawn applications is key. You you can't be applying that broadleaf weed control uh, too close to the cutting time. So does the lawn doctor guy know when the lawn is getting cut? Um, does the irrigation guy know when this is happening or that is happening? Uh, to to be able to bring it under one roof and have the the faith um, in that team to be able to coordinate everything for you in a timely manner is, is huge. It can be 
um, uh, very, very beneficial and very, very uh, stress-relieving to, to know that you've got that team behind you. Okay. So it's like managing a symphony. It. So. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Yeah. I, I I I hate to cut you off, but I got to wrap this thing up. Um, I'd like to uh, take this time to thank Scott Fawcett for for being on the show from Hoffman Landscape. Um, that's going to do it for this edition. As always, if you have any further questions uh, regarding uh, landscape management, feel free to reach out to Scott. You can also uh, send any questions to info at domesticmanagers.com. And we're excited to announce that we'll be back on the air next Wednesday, March the 16th, when we will be joined by Boris Pevsner, CEO and founder of Collectrium. Mr. Pevsner is going to be presenting at this year's management conference, which will be held in New York City. We'll be discussing some of the important factors that go into managing an art collection. So if you want to learn more about the conference or if you'd like to register for the conference, uh, you can do so by going to www.demaconvention.com. Registration is open, as I stated. As always, I've been your host, Matthew Hack, and I look forward to speaking with you all again next week. Thank you, and have a great day.